Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to, well, pretty much everything uh, related to the program, including social media links, the audio-only live stream, and uh, uh, links to the Common Sense Core as well. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, all the good stuff out there if you want to go check it out. Uh, and also broadcasting live uh, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station, and or FM uh, translator, hump day, middle of the week. Uh, it's downhill slide from here to Firearms Friday. Welcome back to the program, and thank you for coming in and joining us. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. It's what we do every day here. On the program from 6 to 8 a.m., we bring you all the news that's fit to print. And some of it that's not. Some some is not to fit to print. That's how it works around here. Um, all right. <clears throat> but uh, let's see what, uh, let's see what uh, is going on out there. Today on the program, we're going to have a, kind of a full boat of uh, stuff. Uh, today, we're going to be... Talking with uh, Representative Will Stapp, who's going to come on board this morning and give us a little bit of a peek at the, um, you know, the full fiscal plan that we've been talking about uh, here the last couple of days. He's going to get his take on it. We're going to talk about his spending cap bill. We're going to talk about what happened uh, during the uh, during the uh, budget hearings uh, yesterday and Tuesday. Um, it's, there's a lot of stuff that happened, uh, but also some interesting stuff. We're going to talk about that first and then we'll get into it with Will Stapp. So Will's going to be with us in hour one, uh, here after I get, uh, after I get uh, up to a full head of steam and start talking about some of the headlines. And then in hour two, it will be uh, state representative Mike Shower will be joining us for what we lovingly call the shower hour of Bauer. Uh, he's going to come in for the full hour. We'll talk about what he's seeing on the Senate side, because while the House is making some <clears throat> what I think are some good moves right now, the Senate continues to live in their own little world of uh, spend, 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 doesn't matter what. And uh, we're going to take it all from you. That's kind of what it sounds like when, when they're over there working. So we're going to talk about that <clears throat> and. Uh, We'll go through all the things and uh, discuss all that. So it's a full morning. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to be talking. Uh, we have at least one guest tomorrow in hour two. Sheldon Meyer is going to be joining us. He is a uh, local Alaska miner, and he's going to be talking about some of the challenges that he's been having working inside the state. Uh, Sheldon has had problems in the past with uh, some of the state and federal regulators, and we're going to get the f latest on what he's doing right now uh, 
we will bring him on tomorrow and we'll we'll talk uh, we'll talk with him about that and working on another guest in hour one uh, hopefully um, I got a couple of Alaskan authors and I've been trying to get on the program and we're gonna see if we can do that here so it's uh, that's the plan that's the plan for tomorrow and then on Friday's firearms Friday I don't have anything lined up yet. Oh, uh, I think Jacob Sellum, actually. I lied. I think Jacob Sellum is going to come on from Reason Magazine. So we'll see We'll see what happens. All right. So that's uh, that's the long and the short of that. Shall we shall we shall we get into the headlines? I think I, I think we I think we should. I think we should get into the headlines and start to see what is going on. Uh, first and foremost. Um, that, uh, there is some good news in regards to the Willow project. We know that the minute that Willow was announced, uh, by the president that, um, the legal battles immediately spun up and, uh, tried to put a stop to it. Um, but they have now suffered their first defeat. Uh, the AP reports that environmentalists lost the first round of their legal battle, over the Willow Project on the North Slope as a judge rejected their request to halt immediate construction. Uh, but they vowed not to give up. Of course not. I mean, it's at this point, it's almost like it's a business to try and, uh, you know, put this environmentalism up and out there. The court's decision means that ConocoPhillips can forge ahead with cold weather construction work, including mining gravel and using it for a road towards the Willow Project. Environmentalists have contended that they worry about noise from blasting and road construction and how they could affect caribou. And every time they say that, all I can think about is how they said the same things about building all the pads uh, and how it would disrupt the mating habits and the and the whole thing of the caribou. And all I can think of is those photos where you see, you know, 10,000 caribou milling around the pipeline and the pad right there, you know, next to the... That's all I can think about is, you know, oh yeah, really disrupting them. They really disrupted... Uh, District Court Judge Sharon Gleason said said she took into account support for the project by Alaska political leaders, including state lawmakers and the congressional delegation. Said she also gave considerable weight to the support for Willow by Alaska Native Village Corporation, an Alaska Native Regional Corporation, and the North Slope Borough, while also recognizing the project's support among Alaska Natives is not unanimous. The uh, environmental groups and an Alaska Native organization called Sovereign Inupiat for a Living Arctic had asked Gleason to delay construction related to Willow while their lawsuits were proceeding. They ultimately want Gleason to overturn the project's approval, saying the U.S. Bureau of Land Management failed to consider adequate ranges of alternatives. Um, she said the construction work, uh, Gleason said that the construction work that ConocoPhillips plans for this month is substantially narrower in scope than the Willow Project as a whole, and the groups did not succeed in showing it would cause irreparable harm before making the decision on the merits of the case. Uh, interesting to see this battle as it takes off and gets started, but um, this is uh, this is what you got to look forward to as they continue to try and stop any kind of oil development here in the state because reasons um <clears throat> there's an interesting article in the alaska in the alaska beacon and it's from nat hers uh nathaniel hers uh who used to write for the adn he used to be a frequent guest on the program um 
But uh, even though he and I disagreed on a lot of stuff, I always enjoyed having him on. Uh, I think he got some pressure from the ADN at one point to stop coming on the program because uh, he kind of mysteriously vanished there for, well, for quite a while. Um, anyway, he went over to work for the uh, for Alaska Public Media and then the Alaska Beacon. But he's got a he's got a commentary piece in the Alaska Beacon talking about the Alaska lawmakers' pay raise. And um, I was pleasantly surprised to because Nat is fairly progressive in his outlook and his viewpoint and his politics. And I, I think that's reflected in a lot of the work that he does. He's still a good still a good journalist, as long as you know that up front, that he has that kind of that progressive tilt. But it's interesting reading this commentary piece uh, where he talks about Alaska lawmakers and their pay raise. And. Um, he he says, uh, keep your pay raise, but it's time to fix per diem. With Alaska legislators poised to accept a $34,000 a year raise, there's no longer a justification for paying themselves $9,000 a month for living expenses in Juneau. And he goes on to talk about the whole thing. And it is really, um, it's really a good piece. I really, uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see that Nat had uh, taken this uh, taken this thing, um, and uh, you should go out and you should go out and read it. You should go out and read it and get because uh, he's got some good stats and figures and details in there. And uh, you know, one of the shocking things because we we broke down some of the numbers on the program here. Um, uh, we broke down some of the numbers here last week when we were talking about it individually, down to the some of the individual bases. Uh, but Nat brought up a stat that I had not seen where he included not only the per diem and the pay raise and everything else, but he also put it in the state health care plan and everything else uh, and added all the benefits on top of it. And he said uh, without adjustments uh, to the per diem, legislators could receive as much as $120,000 next year between their salaries, the expense payments, plus a state health care plan. $120,000 for what is on paper a part-time job where they work for four months and then they, they're they working on and off throughout the interim. But 120000 I mean, that's, that's good money if you can get it. That's good money if you can get it. I'll tell you that for nothing. And then um, there's another article in the Beacon. Beacon's got a lot of good articles up today. Um Talking about the work in the House and the prospect of a nearly $600 million deficit has really had an effect on the uh, on the legislature and the House specifically going over the uh, going over the budget and adding anything. And in fact, they made very few additions to the spending plan. Uh, There were something like 94 amendments. They made it through 58 uh, yesterday, and they expect to be on pace to have a final vote tomorrow on the budget. But so far, the only major addition that they added was that $175 million in temporary funding assistance for the public schools. Uh, and they passed only five amendments in total. Um, before uh, last night at 5.30. They added less than $8 million to a $6.6 billion proposal. So, I mean, that's I know that's hard to say. It's an increase, 
but it's only eight million dollars. I mean, that's a that's amazing. When you had ninety four amendments, um, they rose again and again throughout the day. Says James Brooks over at the uh, Alaska Beacon. They rose, uh, they rose again and again to speak against proposals that might garner widespread support under different circumstances. Money for food banks, tax credit for oil and gas drillers, aid to domestic violence victims, and education programs. They were each defeated, sometimes by just a single vote. Um, as of Tuesday evening, according to the latest estimate from the Legislative Finance Division, the state budget deficit for the upcoming year stood at $581 million if the governor's proposed capital budget is included alongside the operating budget. Now, there's no guarantee the capital budget could be higher or lower, depending on what's going on. Uh, and, of course, the Senate has their all – they have their whole thing going on over there that they, they have their own their own game. Uh, the One of the few things that got through uh, was $250,000 in assistance to the Matsu Borough Food Bank – a $2 million deposit into the state's Clean Air Protection Fund, and a reversal of a $5 million cut to the state's grant program to local governments. So they were, it was going to be cut, and they instead reversed that. So right there, that's the $7.2 million of the $8 million increase that you've seen right there. Uh, if the budget additions were in short supply, so were budget cuts. Now, this is interesting based on what we just uh, talked about with Brent Carpenter on um, on Monday, we were talking about the will to cut things, right? Because there's just not there's not not a whole lot going on there. Uh, the loan budget cutting amendment adopted on Tuesday was from Representative Ben Carpenter of Nikiski, and it was for wait for it, wait for it, one thousand dollars. That was the budget cut. One. <laughs> they increased it by eight million. Cut it by $1,000. I mean, it's a cut, but I mean, it's just, there just is no, there just is no will to cut anything else out there at this point. It's just, they just, they're not interested apparently. So uh, the House continues to debate the amendments today. And uh, tomorrow they expect um, uh, they expect it to be able to go out and uh, uh, be placed up for a final budgetary vote tomorrow. So they're going to be working today and tomorrow. They reach out of 94 amendments, as I said earlier, they reached 58 <clears throat> as they worked their way through it. So 58 uh, of the 94. So they're over halfway. And I expect there'll be a good long day today. It'll be interesting to see if anybody puts up any kind of substantive cuts um, on on this thing or if there are any other points of this because, you know, a thousand bucks. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben, for putting in a cut for anything at this point. But a thousand dollars was the total cut. I mean, again, the, the highlight and the good news on this article is that it was that they they only added eight million. They only added eight million dollars to a six point six billion dollar proposal. Um, that's after uh, that's after the hundred and seventy five million dollar in temporary funding assistance for the schools. So, you know, all told, under two hundred million dollar increase for a six point six billion dollar budget. It's, I guess it's I guess that's progress. 
Of course, don't forget that this doesn't factor in the additional $100 million that goes up every year because of the formulas and spend and everything else. So I guess we'll see what happens, but we go from here. But, I, you know, I, I guess somebody apparently is getting the memo that there's just not enough money left in the state to do all the things you want to do. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back in just a minute. Representative Will Stapp is going to be joining us. We will continue the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return to more after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. A thousand dollars? I mean, you know. It's a thousand dollar cut. A thousand dollar cut. Oh, man. Um... Education is sitting on $248 million in COVID money, said uh, Terry. A $2,000 cut and 19 members voted against it. You got to laugh at this point because it's against the man code to see a grown man cry on stream. That's... That's why I have to laugh. <laughs> oh, man, Chris is a little vicious this morning. He says, oh, $1,000. He goes, just think of how little it would change if we sent 30 Ben Carpenters to Juno. Well, we at least got a $30,000 cut. We probably would have got a $2,000 cut based on what Donna said. Because if we had 30 Ben Carpenters, at least 30 of them would have voted for the $2,000 cut. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Oh, I mean, it's a, it's a, I'm trying to look on the bright side here, people. Only an $8 million increase. Yay. Yay. Uh, I mean, I'm so excited. I, you know, (laughs) it's a, it's a, th- I mean, that's a, that's a good thing, right? Right? Only eight million dollars! <laughs> and then, you, of course, then you get to the, you know, you know. <laughs> a thousand dollars? I mean, it's, that's just exactly, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> Oh man, a thousand dollars? No, don't, don't make it up. <laughs> oh, I mean, come on, man, come on, man. What are you gonna do, huh? I guess we're just gonna sit here and I don't know. 
I mean, I, I guess that's what I saw as the ray of sunshine is that they did not continue. Now, again, the Senate's still got to take their crack at this. I don't know what the Senate's going to do, but I guarantee you, with Burt Stedman and company at the wheel, uh, they are going to try and increase the budget. I mean, they've already said that they want to do a, uh, you know, what is it, thirteen hundred dollar, uh, you know, increase to the to the BSA, which is three hundred and. Is that $360 million and change, something like that? I mean, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. So the House's version is going to butt right up against the Senate's version, and then the, you know, then the fur's going to fly, and we're going to see what happens. But, I mean, I guess we count that as a win. Now, today could totally change, but it seemed like after going through, uh, you know, whatever they went through, 40 48 of the of the 94 amendments that seems like they are you know there's kind of a feeling in the air that they can't add a bunch of stuff but we'll see i mean that's kind of sad that that's what we have to be happy about is that they only increase the budget by eight million and that that thousand dollar that thousand dollar cut got made it through it's the only cut that we saw but man we saw it go through so if you think the cuts-only approach is going to work, obviously uh, that's just kind of a little example of why that's probably not going to happen. Uh, all right, well, let's get uh, over here and get – I see that we've got our guest is in the green room, so let's uh, head on over here and get things ready to rock and roll. Representative Will Stapp is on the air with us this morning. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today down in uh, the big Juno town? Oh, I'm uh, another wonderful day in paradise here, Michael, as always. Well, I appreciate you coming on board so early. I know you guys have got a lot of, you got another big day today that you guys are working on. So appreciate you coming on. Hold the line for me for just a second. That ding means that we're about to return to the radio. So we'll kick things off with Will Stapp here in just a second. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Please like it, share, like it, follow, and everything else. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show. We are ready to continue now, picking things up with our guest, Representative from House District 32, Will Stapp, joins us this morning. Uh, I asked him to come on to talk a little bit about like a full fiscal plan, you know, kind of this overarching thing that Ben Carpenter discussed on Monday. And of course, the fate, Will's uh, got a bill that's tied up in that. Part of that is that spending cap bill. Also wanted to get a bit of a recap from him on all the debating and everything that happened on the floor yesterday. So since that's fresh and new and we just talked about it, let's start off with that. Good morning, Will. How you doing, my friend? Oh, man, I was doing great until you told me I had to relive the last uh, two days of my life, uh, 11 hours on the floor back to back. Yeah, Juno. boy, it's a, it's a tough deal, isn't it? I've been there, uh, not in, in Juno, but I've been on the floor during budget debates uh, at the assembly level. And I can tell you, I know I feel your pain, my friend. Um, all right. So overall, I was just saying that I guess the positive that comes out of this is um, – well, we, we only added $8 million to a $6.6 $6 billion budget. So I guess that's a positive. Um, we had a $1,000 cut, which, I mean, that's 
you know, but but the but the two thousand dollar cut was defeated uh, and voted voted down by, I you know I don't know I just it seems like we, we there's a lot of people on this program and I've advocated for years that the state government needs to be cut, but there's a lot of people that feel like that's the only that's the only uh, way we're going to get to it is a cuts only approach. I think it's pretty clear at this point that there is not the political will to make a, a cuts only approach. I mean, am I wrong on this? You you got your finger on the pulse. Tell me what's going on down there. Um, you know, so I think it just turns on the context. So for starters, I'll probably say, um, I mean, so for the, I guess, $8 million ad uh, on the House floor, I will absolutely take uh, responsibility for four million of that, Michael. Four million of that was the funding of 404 Primacy for the state of Alaska on wetlands, and uh, we pushed really hard to uh, ensure that that was um, in the budget. Um, I will say that that came uh, initially being cost neutral. Some of that changed later, um, but uh, I would also kind of like folks to know that uh, a lot of a lot of the reductions um, to the uh, it's called the executive's FY24 budget uh, were actually done in our subcommittee and then our finance committee process. Right. Um, so, yeah. So you didn't see a lot of there weren't generally a lot of amendments, I think, on the House floor overall um, that actually did a budgetary mechanism, I would say. Um, I think the vast majority of amendments we actually dealt with over the last couple of days were uh, what's called intent language. So right. they said it's the legislature's intent to do something. Um, and keep in mind, uh, you know, for the viewers, if it's our intent to do something in law, that's typically what we do in bill form. Uh, if you ch if you say in a budget, it's the intent to do something. Um, a lot of times the department actually has the authority to kind of do whatever they want, right? Um, so, right. you know, there's probably a good way to go about trying to achieve an objective. And um, and there's a way that's not as efficient or maybe not, well, just simply won't work that well, right? So Right, right. Well, and, and it's pointed out, Kevin McCabe in the chat room points out that the majority did vote down and denied uh, almost $100 million worth of amendments from the Democrats on social programs and things that they wanted to bring up. So there were attempts to increase the budget. And so kudos to you guys for holding that spending back. And you yourself, uh, Donna Ardwin, saying you got a $5 million cut uh, earlier on, but it was reversed like an hour later. So, I mean, you were attempting to make some cuts. So kudos to you for that. Um, but this is a very, this is a tough audience. This is a tough atmosphere to try and make any kind of changes in, in that direction right now. Yeah. And I keep in mind, um, you know, there's, you know, there are three branches of our state, uh, kind of organization here that makes these budgetary decisions, Michael, there's the house, um, there's the other body or the Senate as we call them. And then there's the executive. And uh, if our objective is to kind of work to a long-term fiscal solution for the state of Alaska, um, we're going to have to have those other two branches on board with the plan. That makes sense, you know. Right. No, it, everybody's got to be pulling together. It can't just be one 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 chamber that's saying we need a full fiscal plan because the other chamber is a full throated. We'd like to spend every dollar we have, and those two things are at odds, and nothing is ever going to change if that's what's going on right now. And I know that's kind of the situation, it seems like. I mean, paint me a picture here. Am I wrong? You you guys, uh, the majority in the House, the Ways and Means Committee, you and Ben and others have put together a, a variety of bills to try and pull a full fiscal plan in place. And it seems like all the indications coming out of the Senate are 
They're just not interested. They want to just continue to spend business as usual, $1,300 PFD, $1,000, $1,300 increase to the PSA, and all these other. It just seems like you guys are kind of operating in a vacuum right now compared to this, what the Senate is doing. Um, you know, I, I think anything, anytime you step up and uh, you try to be in leadership in life, Michael, you got to effectively lead from the front. That's how you drive a conversation. Um, so I, I'm proud to be in the body that's trying to drive the conversation on the Alaska's long-term fiscal solutions. Um, and that's not easy. That's a very difficult thing to do. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I can't speak for the other body, um, but, you know, what I can tell you is... Um, Everyone has used that phrase, kicking the can down the road, right? Um, well, if it's not next year, um, you know, it might be the year after, but we're effectively out of road, right? So um, the can is rapidly approaching the cliff. You know, <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that's what I've always said. I said, you can only kick the can down the road so far before all of a sudden you're in the scrub brush and you're like, there's no more road. What do we do now? You're going to have to, you know, you have to face some hard truths and the hard truths are... We don't have enough money for the size of government that we have. So you got to do one of two things. You either have to reduce the size and scope of it, or you have to generate new revenue. And they damn well don't want to talk about uh, reducing the size and scope of it. I mean, it is the public economy uber alles. It is the, you know, we got to protect the government spend over the private economy and everything else. I mean, is that the feel that you get from from a lot of the old timey members down there? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you certainly probably could phrase it that way, Michael. I, I just tend to think that um, it's about perspective and priorities. Uh, you know, to me, uh, one of the big reasons why I, I, I and many of our other members push so hard for 404 um, primacy is because we view that as a way that the state can kind of be able to forge its own destiny to develop its own private sector economy. And, uh, you know, that's the Otis behind the spending cap bill uh, and the constitutional amendment too. what effectively uh, is the concept behind good governance. Right. Um, you know, my opinion is, you know, what are we down here to do? Well, I believe that we are down here to do uh, to ensure that everyday Alaskans are empowered to be able to kind of get out there and um, make the best life possible for themselves. Um, so I try to think about my decisions in terms of, hey, are we making it easier um, for Alaskans to be out and start a business? Are we making it easier for them to be able to live in Alaska? Are we making it easier for them to be able to provide for their families? Are we making it harder for them, right? And, uh, you know, unfortunately, when you get, uh, let's call it roller coaster fiscal policy, that effectively makes it harder for everybody to do any of those things. Right. Well, and is there also the disconnect between the public and the private economy? And Alaska is unique in this in that, there is really no uh, connector, direct connector, I guess I should say, between the public and the private economy because the state receives all their revenues directly from oil and from the earnings of the permanent fund. There is no, you know, there's no tax base or anything else that 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 really gives Alaskans, uh, you know, or, or legislators an impetus to pay attention to what's happening in the overall private economy because it doesn't affect their income. If the economy in another state goes down and the, and the economy drops, tax revenues are going to subsequently drop. And so they have to pay attention to that here. We don't have to. It's that it's what Rob Myers has talked about, that dangerous dis disconnect between the public and the private economies. And it seems like that is the world that many of these folks who have been there for 10, 20, 
25 years have kind of lived in and they're not seeing that you as one of the new guys, you've talked about this and you just said, you know, the impetus here is to get more entrepreneurship, make it open to more business, make, cause that's where the wealth is generated, right? For the economies um, and get government out of the way, so to speak. Whereas it seems like a lot of the folks out there are not really interested in getting government out of the way. They want to make sure that government is involved in pretty much everything because that's the solution, quote unquote. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could phrase, certainly phrase it that way. Um, I, I'm just kind of reminded, it's, you know, so I try to deal in like realities and what the implications of that are, right? Um, so I, I had a conversation with the alleged finance director, um, Alexi Painter, the other day, and I was just curious. I said, um, if we kind of continue these levels of spending in totality, um, what is the what is the oil price required for the state to effectively have to appropriate the entire amount of the PFD for the operating budget? Like, what is that actual number, right? And that number is around like $42 a barrel of oil, right, currently. And that's before all the ads that everyone is talking about, right? So if you do all the ads that everyone's talking about, so, you know, 200 plus million dollars, um, or more for a permanent increase in a BSA funding, you know, that number is like 44 or $45 a barrel of oil, right? And uh, when you think in context over the last decade of our state kind of being through our savings and our CBR, and then, um, you know, uh, high inflation and poor investment returns, um, you know, you really do get into a position where it's like, okay, well, you know, our state could in theory uh, create you know, put itself in a self-imposed liquidity crisis, right? And that'd be, that would be very bad for everybody, you know? Um, so my argument is, hey, we should start taking, taking tap steps now to kind of avoid that because that would be very bad, you know? Right. Well, I mean, and unfortunately, and, and agree. And, and uh, you know, I know I don't want to, I'm not trying to put you in a bad position here, Will, when I say some of these things and you say you could phrase it that way. Well, I am phrasing it that way. I understand. I don't necessarily want to put you in a corner, but at the same time, you're right, and it's good that people are bringing this up. Unfortunately, people like you who do bring up some of these things, like maybe we should not quite go so crazy and put ourselves in a crisis like this, you, you know, you seem to be fewer and far between than the powers that be. That you know, the power is in. We know that the power in forming the budget is in the budget committees, right? The House Budget Committee, the the Finance Committee, the the Senate Finance Committee. And some of those members have been around a long time and they've kind of got like a, a game plan and they're going to go forward. I mean, we can, you know, future results, you know, past performance is indicative of future results. So we know what they've done in the past, these members. And so we kind of know where they're going in the future, plus their current comments and stuff and newspaper articles and stuff. So I don't think I'm saying anything out of school here to say that these folks seem to prioritize those governmental spending choices over the private sector. And I think that has, there has to be a fundamental shift in the membership of the legislatures in their philosophies to make the changes feasible. It started in the house. Now, like you said, it has to be all three branches starting in the house. Are you seeing any of that in the Senate side at all? And then we got to go to break. So I'll, I'll give you the, the word here. Mm, you know, I, I, I don't actually know how to answer that, Michael, because, um, I think that we all, uh, you know, both bodies had a, had the uh, we we met with the executive, uh, the governor, and we chatted about kind of what big picture items. And um, I actually heard a lot of positive feedback from uh, some of the members of the other body. Um, but I actually haven't had a lot of free time to talk to them because I've been on the House floor for two days straight, you know, so. 
<laughs> right. There's a, a lot to a lot to try and dissect in a few minutes for 22 hours of sitting around and listening to people talk. All right. Well, we're going to uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue with Rep. Will Stapp. We're going to talk a little bit more about his spending cap bill and the overall fiscal plan. And we'll uh, we'll get we'll get through this back with more. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. All right, in the break with uh, uh, in the break with uh, Will Stapp right now. I mean, it's a lot, uh, Will, to try and dissect and 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 pull through here. Uh, I guess my question is this: We did change out a lot of the players, right? I mean, that's the charter of changes is changing out the players. That's the first thing that we, you know, my suggestion on how to fix the state was mm-hmm. those four changes. And the first one was changing the players, and we did change out a lot of the legislature. In fact, over the last five years, we've changed out a lot of the legislature. And I guess my point is, is that we still have some, we still have some old guard folks who are still in there, who kind of have always had the business as usual. They're going to do that. My feeling is is that some of these new groups are some of the new legislators are kind of uh, in a group where they're more open to some of these ideas of maybe we can't just keep spending our way to wealth and success, right? And it feels like that there are more that even on the Senate side with some of these folks that maybe we have a chance in the next twenty four to thirty six months to actually fix the problem. Um, uh, what, I- I- am I wrong on that? Or am I just being, um, am I just rose colored glassing it here? No, you tell no, me. I, I think you're right. And I think you probably said the most important thing, Michael, which was 24 to 36 months. Um, so ideally we'd be able to do all these things uh, incredibly quickly. Um, and we may be able to move forward at a pretty rapid play- pace, but uh, I tell folks we are, you're effectively dealing with a structural problem. That's three decades in the making, right? Um, and it is very difficult to undo 30 years of uh, structural issues in 90 days, you know, or 120 days. Right. right? Um, well, and I would so argue I would argue that it's even more it's bigger than three decades. I mean, I think it started with that first payment of nine hundred million dollars. That was the first payment. I think it's we got yeah. a, it's a lot of stuff to untangle. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Right. I, I know you radio people can't see this. So this is one of my this is volume one of three of the Department of Health's uh, operating budget, right? This big binder right here, right? So I, I think altogether Jeez. it's over 3,000 pages. It right. uh, talks about all the types of federal and individual receipts, talks about all the sub-department problems, lists all the statutory authority that gives them administrative authority to do things, right? And effectively, how do you, you know, so the first step when you're looking at how to look at efficiencies and how to understand how something operates is really just to kind of take it apart, right? And uh, it took me a very long time to go through volumes one, two, and three, um, and then start to kind of break them down. And, uh, you know, when I did that personally, I I started to get a lot of ideas like, okay, why do we do this? You know, uh, why does the state of Alaska give statutory authority for the health department to automatically 
decide to rebase Medicaid reimbursement rates. Right. right. So why would we do that? Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, it just takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. And then you got to take that time and you got to formulate ideas and then you got to articulate them to, um, to uh, you know, 20 other members in the House and 11 members in the Senate. And I hope the governor uh, doesn't put out the red pitten. You know, uh, it's interesting. You, you, uh, and we're, we're still in the commercial break here, so I don't want to get into stuff too much that we have to repeat. But you just mentioned, you know, asking the question, why is government doing that? Why is it? And that brings me to a different question real quick. We got about two minutes. But I mean, how much of the things that we're doing in the state are just nice to haves versus must haves? You know, things that are constitutionally mandated versus yeah. things that, you know, bring a smile to the face of a constituency kind of thing. I mean, how much of that do you think is actually going on? Are you seeing things where you're like, well, that's nice, but it's not really yeah. government's job? Well, that's actually a good debate uh, that we should have. And honestly, I think everybody should have. So the way you can break that down is what is constitutionally obligated to fund? What is statutory obligated fund? I.e., what do we what all the bills that this this place has passed? That's like cost money typically. So that's statutory obligations to fund. And then there's the third category, which is, um, hey, what do we do just because we do it? Right. Right. Well, we know statutory, but we also know statutory doesn't necessarily mean constitutional. You know, we have the constitutional mandates and we have the statutory mandates, but those statutory mandates could be built on just feel good. It doesn't have to really, I mean, it could be serving a constituency. I'm not saying that it's not getting money and helping people in a certain way, but the biggest question should be, is that government's response, is that state government's responsibility to help those people in that way? Even though it's a nice thing, how much is it costing and is it really the responsibility of the government? Yeah. And another, another way to look at that is uh, things that are constitutional obligations are incredibly hard to change, right? Right. Things that are statutory obligations effectively just require a change in law, right? Uh, which that is our prerogative to do as the legislature. And things that you just do, um, you can just not do, right? Right. Um, so if you try to break down the problem that way, it's a really effective tool to, to have that conversation with folks and say, hey, you know, um, did you know that the state of Alaska currently does this and this is why and maybe we shouldn't do that anymore? Right. Well, I think it's definitely a conversation that should be had. I think it should be had at every level uh, because we have this government. I mean, it's, it's it's the creep, right? It's the mission creep of we were supposed to do this, but now we do this, this and this, that kind of thing. I mean, that, that's part of the problem. Uh, all right. Uh, Will Stapp is our guest. We're going to continue here. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. The Michael Duke Show, not your daddy. Wait, sorry, not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Yeah. Not your daddy's talk radio because, well, my dad is in the chat room, so I suppose it could be my daddy's talk radio, but not yours. All right. The Michael Duke Show continues. Will Stapp is our guest, representative from the Interior, House District 32. We're just talking about uh, fiscal plans and everything else. And, and of course, part of this larger fiscal plan includes a spending cap. Um, and I think on, on Monday, we talked about the full fiscal plan with Ben Carpenter and the pieces that are in Ways and Means and everything else. And I prioritized, uh, you know, I said, you know, look, this is all got to be done t- together 
but we're not going to pass nine different bills all at the same time. So we kind of had to prioritize. And I said that probably taking the PFD off the table was the important one uh, just to put that out of reach. But the second most important one is a spending cap, because if you do add new revenue, whether it's from a sales tax or carbon credits or something else, they'll just spend it. You've got to have a spending cap in place, because otherwise, if you give them more revenue, historically, what's happened is they spend it. And so you put together this spending cap right now. Give us the gist of the spending cap bill of what you're proposing, and then uh, tell us where it's at in the process right now, what's happening with it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the nucleus of the spending cap was an idea actually um, now Senator Kaufman had uh, that I'm proud to kind of carry on this side of the government. Um, effectively, what it is, is it would, uh, it would change our Alaska's existing appropriation limit and uh, ended up tying Alaska's uh, government spending to what's called real GDP. So effectively, as the growth of the private sector went upwards, um, the government's ability to spend would also go upwards. And as if the growth of the private sector did not have happened, if you had a lot of private sector decline uh, over a five-year period, um, the same is true on the decline, right? So what we are effectively trying to do is to create a tie between the public sector and the private sector in our state um, so that folks understand that, uh, like I believe that, you know, in a healthy economy, there are two different types of economies. There's a public sector and a private sector. And the public sector economy always is balanced upon the shoulders of the private sector. Michael. Right. Um, so the analogy I like to tell folks, it's the big man and the little man syndrome, right? So if you ever want to carry somebody on your shoulders, it is a much better thing to carry a much smaller person uh, than you are. However, if you have uh, a situation in which that is inverse, i.e. you're a small person, you're trying to carry a really big person on your shoulders, you're generally going to get crushed into the ground. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, that's like me trying to carry Andre the Giant on my shoulders, right? Exactly. And unfortunately, Andre the Giant in this scenario is the state government. I mean, is the government spend. I mean, and that's that's what we were talking about earlier. That's the danger of having this thing disconnected because they just don't care about the public or the private sector. They're just like, it's there, but it doesn't really affect us. So, okay, let's make sure we get $100 million in the permanent fund so we can always spin off our $5 billion a year, regardless of what's happening in the private sector. This spending cap would make it very clear that if the public economy tanks or the private economy tanks, the public economy is going to be drug right back down to it as well. And if you want it to grow, then you best focus on what's going on in the uh, in the private sector as well. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so as far as the process goes, uh, you know, we started out in judiciary and um, some of our wonderful members of the judiciary uh, committee. Uh, made some probably pretty sound um, amendments, some language changes to make the bill better. Uh, then we move on to House Ways and Means Committee that's, of course, chaired by Rep. Carpenter. Um, I had the ability to present the bill oh, a couple of weeks ago for the first time in House Ways and Means. And uh, we I think we had a pretty good hearing and we explained what it was us trying to do conceptually. And um, and um, we might have to make some tweaks maybe to some of the percentages of what we set uh, the overall GDP growth. But I think that's a good thing. Um, overall, I, I think it's good when a bill is heard. I think it's good when a lot of people get to look at it. Um, you know, and the reason for that is, Michael, is um, I'm old enough to know that I don't know everything, you know, and uh, you never know who you talk to is going to have a good idea. 
Right. Well, no, I mean, conversations are always, you know, conversations are always the best thing, even if it's things you disagree with, because it makes you think about things in a different way. So it's in ways and means right now. Walk me through the timeline of what happens after that. Does it have another referral? Does it go to the floor then? Are we going to get a vote on it this session? What, you know, tell me what you're and, and how does this affect once you get it through on the House side? Can you tell us what's happening on the Senate side as well? Yeah, yeah. In the Senate there, uh, so I'll start with that because it's a little easier to articulate mentally. So uh, in the other body, um, Senator Kaufman has the bill. It's effectively the same bill. It is, uh, it, so both bills are moving through um, the both bodies at the same time. Uh, on the Senate side, I don't believe that has gotten out of judiciary yet. Uh, I tend, I, I'm not sure if it actually got a hearing. It could have gotten a hearing in the Senate Judiciary, last time I checked, uh, it had not. Um, so ideally, you know, we would advance them, um, you know, at relatively the same speed. Um, in the House side, the bill will come actually back to me at House Finance, right after it leaves Ways and Means, right. So, um, and in uh, you know, at House Finance, we'd have kind of that financial conversation, and I'd present the bill, but it would be pretty well vetted at that point. Uh, and then after, upon leaving House Finance, it, um, the bill, and of course the constitutional amendment um, would both uh, go to rules, and then in theory, they would go to the floor after that. Um, now, as far as uh, the timing on that, um, I tend to think it just, it just depends on um, what our overall strategy is to have the conversation on uh, complex structural reform in Alaska. Um, you know, I am a little selfish, so I say, hey, my bill should go all the way to the floor and you guys right. can do everything else. But I right. do understand probably not how it works. Here. Well, but being and being a constitutional amendment, um, it uh, requires a much higher threshold. And I know there's a lot more reticence from some people to put it out there. Um, are you do you think that there's enough support based on what you've seen so far? I mean, is it are you getting a lot of pushback? Give me a, a feel here. No, I, I would say that, uh, you know, I mean. We had an election, Michael. We basically in the House were basically 50-50, right? Uh, depending on kind of, I mean, party affiliation is a little weird in Alaska, but I would say 50 percent kind of lean to the right, 50% kind of lean to the left, or maybe it's 51-49, you know. Um, but uh, you know, in order for us to be able to have a constitution amendment pass both bodies, so you're right, it has a very high threshold. And uh, we're we probably don't have the votes for that yet. Um, but, you know, I'm going to endeavor to do that, just like I said last time. Um, and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll move from there. Um, because, again, um, hey, you know, there's no pressure like uh, getting out and leaning over the cliff and looking at the bottom of the precipice. You know? Right. So, well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we're, you know, the bridge is out. We're in the train and we got to stop shoveling coal into the box because uh, we, the, the bridge is out. I just want to point that out. We might want to apply the brakes right now before it happens. Uh, final thoughts here uh, on the overall fiscal plan. I mean, the other pieces, anything else that you see out there that is good? We got about two minutes. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll just kind of continue. Uh, I, I think we're moving in the right direction. Uh, I think it's just going to take time. And um, I know that everybody, uh, you know, wants rapid change. Uh, I obviously want rapid change, too. Uh, but, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic and positive that we're moving in, in a really positive direction, Michael. Um, and it's going to be a little grind, you know. Uh, it's going to be very challenging and, you know, any any type of structural change always is. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're just going to keep moving forward. 
And, uh, you know, our objective is to ensure that, uh, you know, we can start to right some of the ship's uh, long-term issues. So, uh, <clears throat> Final thoughts. What can we do? What can we as, uh, as citizens, how can we help? What, what do we need to do to make things easier for you and your fellow legislators who are trying to fix the problem? Well, I would just say, you know, if you're a conservative type minded person, uh, you you should probably be communicating with your legislators. Right. Um, I, I always tell folks one of the most surprising things uh, down here, and uh, I'll, I'll put this in the form of a joke. Right. Most of the people that I hear from who actually live in my district are the 30 percent of people who didn't vote for me. Right. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of shocking. Right. Where you you know that you win an election and theory you win by a huge margin and then everyone you hear from. Nearly everybody. I think, uh, you know, in my own district, um, other than a couple of my friends, you know, I, uh, I everyone who's talked to me, probably <laughs> didn't vote for me, you know. All right. Uh, Will Stapp, uh, got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Will, I'll give you the, I'm sorry, I, I had to cut you off there at the end, but uh, I'll give you a minute to finish that. So all you're hearing from <laughs> is from the people who didn't vote for me. The people who voted for you are like... They wash their hands and they're like, oh, Will's doing a good job. Let's just walk away, right? Well, you know, in my in my context, right, it's like, okay, well, you know, the more that type of dynamic happens, it can work people's mind. You know, I'm, I'm pretty confident in my district, you know, I, I, I went door to door twice, basically. But it is kind of strange, right? I mean, you, you, you do the election, you talk to everybody, and uh, it's just a different fundamental philosophy, right? Um, so... Um, you know, I will say last word on the spending cap, um, you know, one of the probably the best aspects of it is um, uh, there is a mechanism in which it ensures that we have money that's directed at capital projects. Um, because at the end of the day, there's a whole lot of building that we need to do in Alaska uh, that should be really designed to lower our um, high cost of energy. Um, I'll always kind of tell folks, Michael, that... Um, High energy costs in the in the event that you actually have a ability to be able to deliver cheap power to folks in the state, um, that changes a lot of dynamics in our state. You know, a lot of dynamics. Well, yeah, I mean, this has been one of my arguments about the PCE for many years. Is instead of, I mean, it's the whole teaching a man to fish instead of giving him a fish, right? I mean, what we've been doing is essentially giving people fish. Uh, in the form of the PCE as a handout instead of building the infrastructure that for the long term would make it cheaper to have affordable energy. I mean, that's the number one cost center for the private economy that really helps drive innovation and everything else is cheap energy. If you had cheap energy, if we had a hydro dam, if we had wires that went to everywhere in the state, yeah. it would be a lot easier. I mean, hell, you could heat with you could heat with electricity at that point in many of these places. But yeah. that's the problem is that we have these programs that were essentially initiated to try and lower the energy costs. And instead, they became a subsidy. And that's that's the big challenge there. Yeah, no, exactly. Right. And again, structurally, you know, if you don't deal with that, uh, inevitably, you won't have money to subsidize anything anymore. And then that'll. Yeah. It'll be worse for everybody. Right, know? because it's not a long-term fix. It's not an investment in the future. It's just a payment. I mean, that's all you're doing. You're not investing. You're basically just creating a dependency there, and that's part of the problem. I mean, that's part yep. of the problem with government overall is we create all these programs that create dependencies, and then we can't ever get out of them because we have a dependency on them. Oh, yeah. So, no, I agree. Um, And, you know, that's the issue, right? I mean, I you're are you moving upward or are you moving backward you know um and the truth is you know our state really has to start moving forward um 
if you get a chance, uh, you know, when, when we did the final vote on 404, uh, I proposed in an amendment to basically reduce community assistance to free up the, the space in the budget to be able to fund uh, 404 primacy, right? And my argument was effectively, hey, you know, if um, Alaskans can take their you know, kind of future in their own hands and to develop their own projects, um, we might actually be able to get to a place where we don't need to do community assistance anymore. You know, we don't we don't need to make that type of redistribution because uh, our communities are prosperous. And, and that's effectively where I think most Alaskans want to go. And I know I want to go. So. Uh, Will Stapp, our guest for today. Uh, Will, appreciate you coming on board and joining us. Um, <clears throat> thanks for fighting the fight, uh, and thanks for you know sticking up and and looking at this as a uh, you know as a full fiscal picture instead of just a singular bill or a single thing. I appreciate you having a little bit uh, a little bit of uh, foresight in this and being able to look at this as a holistic thing. So thank you for coming on board. Thanks. Appreciate you being part of it today. Uh, all right, Will Stapp uh, here on the Michael Duke Show. Uh, appreciate him uh, coming on and joining us. We got Mike Shower coming up here in just a moment for the Shower Hour of Power that's going to be going on. Um, <clears throat> I'm just looking here. Um, PCE is a joke. It subsidizes the highest price that fuel sellers can charge. I mean, that's the problem with the P- with the PCE. I mean, the, in concept, the PCE was a good thing. I'm not saying it wasn't. The problem is, is in execution, it 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 flies fully from the spirit of what they intended, right? Unless this is secretly what was intended from the very beginning. But the bottom line is, is that this, the whole idea was that it was going to build out a way to deliver cheaper power to the to the rural communities, not subsidize it for eternity. That's where and that's where we're at today. I mean, why aren't we developing ways to get cheaper energy to those things? It's uh, it's it's good. Uh, Yeah, the peanut gallery is in full swing today. Uh, I I could see that there's a a lot of invective going on out there. Man, you guys are getting savage. Um, All right. Well, I guess you guys meaning one guy. Oh, one guy. That one guy. Um, I'm just scrolling backwards here to see if there uh, is anything else that I missed here uh, in the uh, in the commentary here from different folks. Um, to be a broken record, says Bert, the state and House Finance Committees control the budget. They control all that happens in Juneau and the Republicans who filed excuse me, who filled these committees with those in the Alaska legislature who only answered the puppet masters pulling their puppet strings. I mean, this was, again, part of my uh, part of my consternation when the majority did put a lot of the old guard into those positions. That was definitely that was definitely troubling. Um, and I'm watching very closely trying to figure out if some of the new folks like Will Stapp, like Delaney Johnson, can hold the line on the spending and everything else so far. It looks like it's, you know, again, <clears throat> it's kind of sad that we have to be happy about only an $8 million increase on a $6.6 billion budget. But that's kind of where we're at right now. I guess we got to find joy where we can find it. But the fact that the $2,000 cut got voted, I mean, that's just, wow. 
All right, uh, we got more coming up. The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense Radio. Back with more after this. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is hour two of the big radio broadcast, The Michael Duke Show. We have got uh, uh, more coming. We just finished up with Will Stapp, uh, our guest this morning uh, on the program and... Uh, he uh, <clears throat> he kind of laid out for us some of the things that are happening and what he sees, and it was a, I thought it was a pretty good interview overall. So I hope that if you missed it, you will go back and listen to it on the podcast, uh, which is available wherever you find podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify, right? Apple Podcast, iTunes, the whole thing. Spotify is my favorite. It's easiest. I listen to almost all my podcasts on Spotify. So there you go. That's the... That's the way to do it. You can go back and listen to it, or I guess you can go back and watch the replay on Facebook or YouTube as well. So feel free to feel free to jump in there and do all that kind of stuff. Um, what? Uh, 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 I'm just looking here. I'm waiting for State Senator Mike Shower to dial in. He's supposed to be joining us this morning for our. Unless he did, he tell me that he wasn't going to be here this week. Boy, it's. Sometimes I I just can't remember. Um, apparently I'm getting old. No, we didn't. I don't have anything in my email. So, um, uh, we're hoping to hear from State Senator Mike Shower this morning on this. But in the meanwhile, <clears throat> um, what are your thoughts on what's happening here and this push to uh, create a long term fiscal plan? What do you What do you think? Are you um, Are you hopeful? Are you excited to see it? Are you thinking that this will make the difference? Um, or is this just more hope? Is this just much ado about nothing? Is this just like, oh, well, you know, maybe one day uh, I, you know, I am trying to be, I'm trying to be positive about it. I see the, I see the possibilities. I see the potential. But I also know that there is a tremendous number of roadblocks and hurdles in the way of something like this. Uh, there are people out there who definitely don't want to give up. Um, was You definitely don't want to give up control. 
Definitely don't want to do that. So uh, yesterday I said it would be Thursday. No, Sheldon Meyer is on tomorrow. Um, sorry, somebody in the chat room just said yesterday. You said shower would be on on Thursday. I If I did, I misspoke. I meant shower is supposed to be on Wednesday, and Sheldon Meyer is our guest to talk about mining on Thursday. So I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. We'll see. We'll see what uh, we'll see what happens. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I, you know, I want to know: Is this? Uh, are you? Are you positive? Are you opt? I guess I, the question is: Are you optimistic um, about that? Thank you, Melody. Um, are you optimistic about the idea that we can have a full fiscal plan, or do you think that it's just more? Spinning our wheels pie in the sky. I mean, we, we, I look, we, we see what's happening at the national level, right? We see what's going on. I mean, we talked about Social Security uh, yesterday, I guess we talked about it, that Social Security is, you know, is rapidly declining, uh, that there's not going to be enough money to pay the full benefits that we've paid into the system that we're, you know, we're, we're promised before. Uh, we see the government spending is out of control. Uh, we've got, I mean, we've got so many millions and billions and trillions of dollars that are now added, been added to our debt. Um, but, you know, the, the, the federal level, they just don't seem to care. Uh, I mean, now, of course, you're hearing these murmurings and threats from different countries where they're like, you know, we're not going to take the dollar anymore. We're going to move over to a different currency, whether it's the yen or the yuan or, uh, you know, uh, I guess the only one that they're not talking about right now is the ruble. But, I mean, they're, you know, they're talking about all these different currencies. And if if the world moves away from the dollar, the U.S. dollars being the world reserve currency, meaning it's the it's the standard for trade amongst different nations, they've they've been using the U.S. dollar as the. Uh, world reserve currency for so many years. That's how we've gotten away with a lot of the deficit spending and everything else that we've got going on. Um, if that changes, ooh, that's uh, it, it, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a real problem for us as Americans. And yet nothing seems to slow down the appetite for spend in Congress. And we're seeing the same thing here in the state of Alaska. Um, uh, now I have no control over Congress. I may have some input into what's happening in the legislature. And I think people like Ben and Will and, uh, Kevin and others who have been on this fiscal plan are all about it. But what, what do you think? Uh, is this pie in the sky or is there something more to it? So while we wait for Mike Shower, let's go to the phones and see what you have to say. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150 is the phone number. Don't forget this hour of the program brought to you by our friends at Satellite West. Uh, you could find them at SatelliteWest.com. Uh, from, uh, you know, doesn't matter where you are in the state. From, uh, you know, Delta to Little Diomede, Menchumina to Metlakatla. To Minto, to you know, to Mirror Lake, wherever you are, um, you can find uh, connectivity through Satellite West. That's for phone calls, for emails, for text messages, or just surfing the internet. Go to satellitewest.com and and uh, 
and and find out. They got a full list of dealers there too, by the way, so you can find those. Uh, all right, so I'm opening up the phone lines, 907-433-3150. Let's, you know, I I know how I feel, and I know that in a lot of ways, this is a glass, this is a glass half full kind of thing. This is the rose-colored glasses. I'm trying to be optimistic about it. I also know that there is a very high hurdle for all of these things to come to fruition. So I'm not necessarily going in totally willfully blind. But I'm trying to have hope. I'm trying to be positive. What do you think? 907-433-3150. Let's go over here to the phones and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Oh, no, let me put uh, let me put the right caller. Hey, Mike, Craig in Fairbanks. Oh, oh, hold on a second. Let me put the right person on hold here and put the right person back on the air. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Sean. I'm calling from Fairbanks, Alaska. Hey, Sean. How are you doing? Could you speak a little closer to your phone? I'm having a hard time hearing you. Yeah, so one thing I just wanted to cover real quick. This is never going to change This is until we get somebody who actually understands finances into a position. So anytime you have politicians delegating where finances are going, you're going to get the exact same thing. Why do we have politicians doing the job of what a financial professional should be doing? Therein lies our problem, and it will never change until we change that. I would not. That's all I got to say. Well, well, I mean, I would not disagree that we definitely need to be, uh, you know, bringing some people in there who have the wherewithal to understand it. Does it need to be necessarily financial? Could it be business owners in your mind, Sean? Could it be people who have dealt with the budget? Does it have to be actual numbers people, or could it just be people who have the life experience of dealing with this kind of stuff? Unfortunately, we've seen business owners push financial decisions uh, by electing politicians that are not any better we've seen it throughout history as even in fairbanks where people you know they they put enough financial money towards somebody's campaign and we get in somebody else who's robbing the the pfd i mean unfortunately that's winnie the pooh walking by a honey pot <laughs> and it's gonna rob it every single time yeah <laughs> these politicians can't keep their fingers out of that that pfd and it never will end. This will this will happen until that PFD is gone. And you can't get them to get the mindset of, hey, what are we going to do when the PFD is gone? No. Well, it's still there. Well, we can still tap into it. And then if we even get the PFD back where it's supposed to be, they're going to tap back into it. They cannot leave it alone. All right. Well, Sean, thank you for uh, thank you uh, thank you, Sean, for your call. I appreciate you uh, calling in this morning and being part of it. Uh, I mean, that's a. <laughs> That's a little All depre- participants are muted. That's a little depressing right there. Let's go back over here to the phones. I heard Craig in Fairbanks. Good morning, Craig. What's on your mind, sir? Hey, Mike. I just listened to your show. You know, one thing that struck me uh, is the Social Security that Biden always accuses the Republicans of going to steal and Social Security. That man is single-handedly responsible for what's going to happen with Social Security with the, with the debt he's accumulating these trillions of dollars accelerating the debt to a level where it's not going to be able to turn around. That is when, when people get the note, Hey, you're gonna have to work till you're 72. That's all Joe Biden and that, and this crazy spending that uh, his administration has been, uh, been uh, uh, navigating, trying to, trying to get going. So 
um, anyway, it's, it's all on him. Well, <laughs> I well, I mean, let me say this, Craig. I mean, look, I, Joe Biden's definitely got his uh, he's got his part in this. But I mean, the, the the Congress has been complicit in this as well. I mean, and this is not just this Congress, not just this president. This is a problem that they've been warning about for 20 years in the government. This is every president, right. every Congress for the last 20 years has refused to address this. So while Biden is adding to the burden, no doubt about it, and the current Congress is adding to the burden, it's all willful blindness. And it has been for the last 20 years. It's not just any one person or any one Congress at this point. Yeah, no, that's right. And I remember when it hit sixteen trillion, and then it hit twenty-one trillion. Twenty-one trillion was a magic number. It's not going to be able to turn it around when it goes past that. We can't cut it fast enough because of all the built-in, uh, you know, add-ons. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to get ugly. Hey, on a lighter note, um, I don't know if you probably didn't see the Saturday paper in Fairbanks, um, but uh, April first, I always do a spoof ad with Bill Satterberg, right? Story on the local attorney here, colorful attorney. <clears throat> this year's was a uh, he was defending a moose hunter <clears throat> that shot a cow in a bull-only area because he insisted that the cow identified as a bull uh, with its actions and so forth. And the uh, bill was to defend this guy. <laughs> and you can't believe the number of people that called his office that thought the story was real. Of course, it's an April Fool's trick. Um, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, this bull, <clears throat> this bull was over. He, the guy was over in a place called LGB Lake. And he was uh, he was hunting moose, <laughs> and he, he even left proof of sex attached, uh, according to Fish and Game. <laughs> so, of course, but of course anyway, he did. we had a lot of fun with that, and people thought it was real. So yeah, we, we always do that every April Fool's. Just uh, got to keep some humor around, you know. Yeah, it's too hard to read the paper otherwise. Satterberg and I pulled that a couple of years. Uh, for a few years, he would come on the program on April Fools, and we'd have some kind of bogus thing that was going on. It was always the most fun because you could people would immediately get spun up. The people who forgot that it was April the first would get oh. spun up on it, but it's uh, yeah. Best, it's, best one ever was when they made the fake fake newspaper for Ralph Seekins and put it in his mailbox that said Cal Worthington was coming to town. He walks out in his robe and coffee, gets the paper, and he just blew a fuse. <laughs> he just about exploded. <laughs> fake story. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. hey, thanks, Craig. I appreciate. All right. The, thanks for the smile, and I appreciate uh, appreciate your call. Uh, we're coming up on the break here. I got two more lines on hold. Um, let me see if I can do this one real quick. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll start off over here. Good morning. Whoops. Uh, they decided not to stick around. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Carlene and Kodiak. Hey, Carlene, what's on your mind quickly? In response. I'm sorry, Carlene, go ahead. In response. In response. Um, Will Stapp said on the spending cap, they would need to be aware of what's happening in the private sector. Um, my son works worked for Federal Express. He's a warehouseman, 30 years, driving forklift. And at Federal Express, they just had a $500 billion loss last year. So they've grounded planes. They've closed the Sunday stores. And he got a letter in the mail that says you are in involuntary leave of absence they would pay the health insurance so he got another job so what i'm saying is we would need to be aware of what's going on in the private sector oh we we have to be aware of what's going on in the private sector because the private sector again as i said earlier is the only sector that develop i mean that's where wealth is developed is in the private sector i mean everything else 
is uh, is consumption based. Even government, even when it does create a job or do something like that, it's doing it with money that was derived from the private sector, and that's a you know that's not a that's a it's not a self licking ice cream cone. You've got to be able to feed that thing from the private sector. So yes, you should be paying attention to all those things. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it, Carlene. Thanks for calling in and joining us. That leaves uh, all four lines open. We're up against the break. I'm about to check my text messages and see what's going on. Uh, If Mike Shower doesn't join us, then we'll just continue on with open line, open forum, other discussions and topics. We will continue. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. uh, Let's, uh, oh, we got one more line on hold. Let's go over there and get their name and where they're calling from. And that way we can uh, <clears throat> we can uh, be ready when we return to the radio. So let's go over here right now. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. All right, Randy. Hold the line. You will be first up in the queue for when we return to the radio. Randy in Fairbanks. All right. Let me go back over here. Um. I see that seven decades of asinine monetary policy has led us to this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, w- w- this is not a one time, one president, one person thing. This has been a cumulative race that we have. Uh, <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is the whole thing right now. Um, you know, there are people who understand finances, says Tawny, that still bend and twist the PFD out of our hands. I, I would agree with that. This is all about power, right? And their their projects and what they're doing. Um, <laughs> Leela says, until so- April Fool's is funny until somebody freaked out over Glenner saying that there was water vapor in their home. Yeah, Glenner did a whole bit. This is in Fairbanks on the Fairbanks radio station. Glenner is a, is one of the air personalities there at uh, the local at the one of the rock stations, and he did a whole bit on that morning about how they've discovered this new thing called dihydrogen monoxide. Dihydrogen monoxide is in your homes, and it's it's leaking in, and it's coming in, and I mean, you know, it it if it reaches a saturation point, it could kill you. Dihydrogen monoxide, by the way, is H2O. So <laughs> he went on and on all morning about this. And I remember this because I was in Fairbanks at the time. And, oh, my God, there was a stink that people called in, got all the way up to the the boss man and were just furious that they'd been had, uh, that they were panicked, panicked, I tell you, about dihydrogen monoxide and how he created this scare and every, I mean, it was just the stupidest thing. 
it was hysterically funny, first of all, um, <clears throat> for people who just immediately had that knee-jerk War of the Worlds type reaction of, oh my God, we're all going to die. Um, it was probably one of the more clever, uh, one of the more clever April Fool's jokes that I've ever seen. Um, and it was, it was hysterical. That was the day that he talked about the dangers of dihydrogen monoxide. <laughs> it almost felt like you should do like a fifties radio commercial, fifties radio, you know, newsreel announcer. Coming to your homes today is dihydrogen and monoxide. Be careful. It could kill you. I mean, that's what I'm saying right there. Uh, yeah, like COVID. Exactly. Um, okay. Uh, thank you for reminding me of that, Lila. That was hysterically funny. Um... If we move away from the dollar, a few cruise missiles will bring them back in line. Yeah, I mean, I, that that always works out well, right? Um, uh, Harold, not afraid to tell us what he thinks. I think it's a complete mess. Zero consistent messaging and all, all the House conservatives seem to do is this, one-up each other. Okay. <clears throat> uh, fiscal plan is a trap, says Chris. Uh, Bert says, I'm all for a fiscal long-term fiscal plan that first takes everything they already have and defund it all, rebuilding everything from scratch, going line item by line item with up and down votes from the joint session of the House and Senate on every budget line item. Ooh, that's like a month of session right there. That's like a month of sitting in that room every day. Um, let's see. Um, uh, I just want to know the year when half the population drives an EV vehicle in Alaska. I don't know. I've seen the I've seen the some of the performance results of these EVs in cold weather. I think that's going to be an interesting conversation. That's where it needs to go. All right, here we go. Jumping back into it, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Like and share, like and follow. Let's get to it. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. There's a pinch of intellect in there somewhere. I mean, it's, you know, um, just a pinch. Uh, welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show. Okay, so I got a text message from uh, Shower because, you know, he says, sorry about the last minute. Out of computer range, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. Uh, something along those lines. Uh, so uh, anyway, Mike Shower will not be appearing on the program today, contrary to popular opinion and belief, and my own hopes and expectations and dreams are just dashed like a... All right, uh, I'm not really that bad. Um, so let's go back to the phones. We have one line on hold, and the phone lines are open, 907 433 3150-907-433-3150. Randy is on the phone from Fairbanks. The hashtag real Randy. Let's go over here and see what he says. Good morning, sir. What's on your mind today? Hello, hello there, Michael. Um, on March 28th, I called you and, and said that I had written a letter to the editor that was printed in the Fairbanks newspaper asking the question, was there anyone out there who paid into Social Security 
their working lives, but when it, they became old, they decided not to take it. And I wasn't sure if I'd get a response. You know, I gave my post office box and requested such a person. And sure enough, yesterday I went to my post office box and I found a letter, a wonderful letter, because I really appreciate someone taking the time to actually write me about this. And they do not take Social Security. So there is one person out there. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, you can't just tell us that. You have to tell us why did they not take, did they tell you why? Did they give you the reasons? What, why? I mean, so let's get to that first because I, I have more questions, but what, why did they not take, why did they not take social security? Well, he, he wrote a very nice uh, type letter, two paragraphs. And if I may, I'd like to read you his first paragraph. Okay. Okay, and I'm not going to give his name because it's a private letter to me, and I probably doesn't want his name mentioned, you know, spread all over or whatever. But anyway, uh, it, it says here, <clears throat> Randy, thank you for your letter to the news miner. In many ways, it mirrors my thoughts and dilemmas over Social Security and PFDs. Both my wife and I paid into Social Security for enough years to qu- qualify for benefits. She paid in for all the years she was employed. I paid in until sometime in the 80s when the University of Alaska withdrew from Social Security. My wife did not claim Social Security benefits when she qualified to do so, and neither of us did in, and he gives the year when he retired from the UAF. I won't give that year, but it's in the first decade of the 21st century, between 2001 and 20. Okay. Uh, but he gives the exact year. But anyway, um, uh, as we worked through my retirement plans, we decided that the pension that she had coming from her employment and the one I was about to receive through Alaska's teacher retirement system, uh, coupled with anticipated returns from our investments, provided us with enough income for comfortable retirement years. In essence, we decided the Social Security uh, we we decided the Social Security system needed the money more than we did. Parentheses, of course, Social Security would be much better off financially if Congress had been able to keep hands off the dollars. So we have not claimed any Social Security benefits and do not intend to do so in the future. We do, however get regular reminders that we are entitled to claim them whenever we want to. Anyway, that's his first paragraph. Okay. Uh, so I guess my second question is, my second question to you is, Hello? I'm sorry. My second question to you is then, Randy, how did this, how did this affect your, uh-huh. I mean, first of all, do you don't, do you have a retirement that would pay you enough to live on? No, I do not. I have a paltry amount of money. I finally checked what's in my IRA, and it's only like $14,000. And uh, it was just last year in June that I called you and gave my debt-free scream. I finally got out of debt on your radio program. Right. And I've got, you know, like all three, four, about 13 or 15, whatever, thousand in my checking account. So I do not have enough to just quit. I just go broke. And so I kind of need Social Security and, and or I need to keep on working. I plan to keep on working. So right. that's my situation. Right. So did this change your mind at all, I guess, is my big question. No, it did not. 
because he did not say in his letter, at least what I read, that he is against the Social Security system. It sounds like that he uh, just feels that he wants to help out the Social Security system because he's aware that it's you know, in, in, in financial trouble. The whole nation's in financial trouble. We have $31 trillion national debt. And so he's stepping aside, uh, you know, based on uh, his pensions that he is getting and, and his investments. I don't know, you know how much that is, but he says he can live comfortably in his wife. And so I just am very grateful that a guy like that is, is stepping aside so that a, a, a guy like me who has been kind of foolish with his money and because I should just if in normal, proper things, I should have like 300000 at my age, 68 years old, I should have $300,000 in investments in a 401k or something. I don't do the stupidity, you know, kind of like. <laughs> but uh, so, so uh, I'm glad he's stepping aside to, to help out poor dummies like me. Well, uh, I mean, I, I appreciate it, Randy, and I'm glad that you're going. You've decided to take it because uh, it's your money, and you should take it. Uh, and that's always been my contention. Yeah. I could never understand that. Thank you for sharing with us, Randy. I appreciate you calling in this morning. Um, I guess I'll say this about the uh, about the, the your your letter writer there, the professor, the teacher. I mean, good for them if that's what they want to do and is give up their money because they have uh, retirement from the state and they've got a pension from the government and it's all good. Well, good for them. Uh, Here's the thing. Even if I was making $500,000 a year and living fat and happy, I would still draw my minimum Social Security because it's my money. They took it from me without really my consent or any of my say so. I'm going to take that money back. That's just because it's my money. That's that's how I look at it. And, uh, you know, and like many people, there are going to be people out there who are dependent on it. Yes, that's part of the problem. They keep they keep tapping into that Easter basket and taking all the eggs out. Um, But I would be taking that money regardless. So thank you, Randy, for your call. Let's go over here and see what the next caller has to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Let me try that again. I just uh, the 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 machine is freaking out here, and it keeps putting them back on hold. There we go. Finally got it. Good morning, oh caller. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Bonnie in North Pole. Hello, Bonnie. What's on your mind? Um, repeal ranked choice voting will be in the North Pole Mall today from two p.m. to five p.m. And we will be at the outdoor show in Fairbanks from April 21st to the to the 23rd. Come by and sign our petition, please. And I I collect all my Social Security. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. You should. You should collect all your Social Security because, again, that was your money. That was the money that you put in there for sure. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Bonnie. So when they're going to be at the mall today from two to six. Uh, two to 5 p.m. Two to five. All right. Thank you, Bonnie. I appreciate you. Yeah. Appreciate you calling in. Thanks for uh, being part of it today. All right. Let's see. I think we got uh, we got one more call here and that leaves some lines open at 907-433-3150. Uh, I mean, if everybody wants to talk about whether or not they take their Social Security, we can hear that as well. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Well, good morning. This is Mike in Fairbanks. 
Morning, Mike. What's on your mind, sir? Um, well, so in order for somebody to not take their government money, whether it's a dividend or Social Security, um, they're probably assuming that the government knows how to spend that money better than they do. And that is just not true. <laughs> so, you know, to people like Randy and this guy who wrote him the letter, if if they feel they don't need that money, that's fine. Right. But there are other entities that desperately need that money, and that money is an opportunity for Randy or whoever else to give money. Sense. Sure. I mean, you could take your you could take you could take your Social Security and and then give it and have it be part of your giving budget, right? You could give that money every month to a cause of your choice, uh, to the tune of twelve or fifteen or That's twenty thousand right. bucks a year, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, you could do that, and I agree with you. I mean, the idea that Social Security needs it more than I do. That just means, well, I'm just putting all this money back in the hands of the pot. You've already admitted that they've raided the piggy bank and they've treated it poorly. And now you're saying, well, they've treated it poorly in the past, but I don't really need the money. So I'll just leave it with them because they'll make good use of it, question mark. Obviously not. Yeah, they see, that's an opportunity to give money to political candidates who hopefully will spend the money the way the individual thinks the government should spend the money. And currently, we have very few political candidates who are doing a good job of how to spend our money, dangerously so at the federal level. I, and I would not disagree with that. Dangerously, yeah, I mean, especially at the federal level, because they've got such a great, tra- they've got such a great track record. Uh, with, uh, with all the money that yeah, they've really. had so okay. far. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for your call. Okay, this... I'll let you go, Mike. Have a good day. Appreciate you calling in. Thanks for being part of it today. That leaves all the lines open right now. So all the phone lines are open and now's the time for us to, uh, uh, take a break. Might as well just take the break, get it done. Let's go on. we got one final segment coming up and I'll leave the phone lines open. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Ah, you ready to do it? The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. We return with more right after these messages. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Yeah, it's my money. Why would I not? T- I mean, uh, even, even if you're living on a big fat tier one pension, you know... Where you're making, you know, whatever it is, sixty percent of your highest three years. Even if you're, even if you're making a decent living there, why wouldn't you take your money 
back out of Social Security. I mean, even if I had to look up and say, what has my investment been over the years? Give it a good 2% return on investment and then say, I'll take that much and then stop. I mean, if that's, I mean, if you wanted to be altruistic about it and be like, well, I'm only taking out what I put in. But why wouldn't you? I just, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Read us a story, Michael. That's what Brian wants. He just wants, a long time ago, in a valley far away, there were little mice who, I don't know, I just, I just, I can't, I can't go, I can't even go on it. Um... Even, uh, let's see, EVs, Alaska does not have a grid of court capable. We are talking about the electric vehicles. EVs will never work on Alaska, says Terry. Common sense. Jeannie says EVs, uh, Alaska does not have a grid capable of supporting the 300K EVs. Yeah, no, I uh, agree. And what is the cost? I mean, the cost uh, of electricity in Fairbanks is much different than it is down here in the Matsu or down in Anchorage, or down in Homer. I mean, is it even... Yeah. Um, Chris Beyer says, uh, he re- he retired from UAF. He's set for life, 150 k a year retirement. I don't think it's that much, but it's probably significant. Let's put it that way. It's probably a significant retirement with all health care costs covered. That's that more than likely what's just going on there. Um... Harold says Randy's in a nasty spot being 68 with only 14K. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he said he had 15,000 in his IRA or whatever and another 14,000 in his checking account. Great. That's 30,000 bucks. That doesn't get you much. That doesn't get you much, especially in Fairbanks. 30,000 doesn't get you much over the course of the long haul. Um, I don't think I don't think Randy understands money very well. I think he admitted that. He admitted that he's been foolish with money. I mean, so have many of us been foolish with money over the years. I mean, it took me a long time to get a handle on how to handle money. It uh, was not something that I was, not something that I had instilled in me at a young age. It took me a long time to figure that out. Uh, keep your dividend check, Randy, says Donna. Um, Randy is, well, I want to read all this on the air here. Uh, Randy is lauding status who think the government is more important than they are. They're like abused spouses. I don't like the social security system, but it's my money. If I'd had access to it, I would have invested it in my retirement account and I would have three times the money to retire on instead of a paltry amount SS is will deign to give me. That's always been my suggestion. We were talking about it the other day. Who was it? Was it George W. that proposed privatizing or allowing the option to privatize social security? That you could, they would, you know, that they talked about pulling your money out and putting it into a 401, self-directed 401k or something. Was it, was it George W or was it George the first? Was it Herbert Walker or HW? I, I don't remember. I don't know. Um, P say note, Peter, what the, what? Um, Okay. Uh, And yet, even if you rent, you're paying property taxes. Yeah, baby. That's it. Um, I like it when the PFD covered property taxes. 
let's see. So how so Social Security is now taxed? Well, yeah, that's part of the problem. Double taxation. I mean, isn't that great? They tax you to take the money in the first place, and then they tax you when you take the money from Social Security. I mean, and then they tax you when you die. And so, good luck. Um, what happens if the Fed stops sending uh, Social Security to everyone? Any idea of when that money runs out? Well, I mean, it wouldn't. If they stopped sending it, then the money would still just be there. Then the politicians would just spend it. Um. Uh, the plan should be to live the last give years of your career in Alaska to fluff up your quarters before you collect your Social Security and then move to the desert in the lower 48 and live like a king. Well, that's that's how many of them do. I mean, that's why you saw such a hard push from the Senate to increase the pay of legislators, because a couple of them are in the purse system. I'm talking to you, Gary Stevens, and they base the retirement off the top three years of your of your salary they get like 60 percent of your top three years of salary so if you're making ninety thousand bucks a year oh that's pretty good money if you can get it right all right um we gotta go uh let's continue on the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio like and share like and follow The Michael Duke Show, proudly splitting the left versus right uh, dichotomy. Yeah, I had to look that word up, too. I don't think it means what he thinks it means. Here he is, though. That guy, Michael Dukes, the one with the show. All right, uh, let's return to the question that I was asking originally before we got sidelined on this whole Social Security thing. Um, just imagine what you would have, um, just imagine what you would have if you've been able to take your own FICA, uh, and direct it somewhere else. I mean, they would still take it from you, right? They'd still take it out of your check, but imagine if you could direct it into a solo, uh, 401k or IRA or something like that. Just imagine how that would work. How much money would you have now, you know, as you put that stuff out there anyway, um, before I, uh, before we got so rudely interrupted, no, it was not a rude interrupt, but before we got shifted here, we were talking about how you feel about the full fiscal plan that has been discussed here on the program ad nauseum since the fiscal policy working group put out their report. And now through this last legislative session, um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Ways and Means Committee and Ben Carpenter and all that group. What do you think about it? I, uh, Harold says it's trash, which, you know, that's his, that's his positive spin for the day. I, like I said, I was cautiously, I mean, I'm, I'm like a, I'm trying to be rosily optimistic, right? I'm trying to say, well, I think it's a good plan. Now, do I think that it will actually pass? Not as optimistic as I am about the plan itself. Right. I think it's a good idea. But does it again, going back to going back to political reality, is the is <laughs> is there enough political will to make it happen? Uh, some people have been. Yes. Yes. Other people have been, mm, you know, um, I am 
I am optimistic about it, but at the same time, I think it is going to be a hell of a battle because you've got old guard people in the legislature, Bryce Edgman, Bert Stedman, Click Bishop, Gary Stevens, um, uh, Louise Stutes, who the business as usual for them has always been protect the government spend. And so I want to know what, I mean, what do you say? 907-433-3150. Are you optimistic about the plan and are you optimistic about its passage, I guess? Leela in the chat room says, cautiously optimistic, glad to see they're working on a plan. But my my fear is that they'll piecemeal it and we'll end up with all the revenue bits without any of the constraint bits. Holistic approaches require political um, uh, 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 political. I think she's talking about guts, political guts to pass them holistically. And I just don't trust that they will do that. I Leela has definitely nailed my fear. I like the idea. I mean, I'm glad I like the fact that they've kind of come up and that somebody is finally talking about a long term fiscal solution for these problems that we've been facing. Somebody's finally doing it. My only fear, and I believe that it does need a holistic approach. My only fear is that there is not the political will to pass them holistically. That's why I said those things need to be. And and I know Brad Keithley and I argued about this a little bit on Tuesday when I said there needs to be a priority, you need to put the PFD portion of it first, get that enshrined and off the table. So now they have to face the rest of them and, you know, so PFD and then a spending cap and then cuts. And then then you get to the new revenues and then you get to, you know, I, I think it's got to be prioritized because, again, holistically, it's going to be a heavy, heavy lift to get there. And uh, I'm just I'm I'm worried about that, um, but I am glad to I am uh, I'm I'm glad to say see and I'm glad to hear that the legislators are at least having these open discussions, and I'm hoping are starting to see the folly of doing things like cutting the PFD and some of the damage that it's doing. Uh, again, crying about how Carpenter's bill, um, Carpenter's bill uh, uh, for the spe- for the uh, for the sales tax is uh, you know it's it's it's, it's regressive. It's a ta- it's, it's the most regressive. I mean, they've discovered the word regressive all of a sudden, and and then when somebody points out, well, the PFD is actually even more regressive than the sales tax, they all get real quiet. Uh, ooh. Uh, mm. Yeah, that's that's what's going on. And of course, we can still see the attitude of many people who are on the pro-government spend side. Um, the uh, the ADN had that article yesterday about <clears throat> the spending and adding the hundred and seventy five million dollars for the one time cost for education and everything. And then they got down into the uh, and then they got down into the PFD. And of course. You know, Calvin Schreggy, the minority leader, he gets up there and starts saying that the House's dividend, that meaning that they didn't cut the dividend back to 1300 they left it at 2600 The House's dividend meant that increased spending for state services was not possible because they 
they they they couldn't they couldn't spend for state services, so it's a heat or eat thing, right? You either get the PFD or you get more state services. And people are saying, no, I don't think we want more state services. But uh, that really <clears throat> that really rubbed George Rauscher the wrong way. He bristled at the suggestion that his votes to reject proposed spending increases for services were based on the size of the PFD. Uh, I think I would have just flat out told him I didn't vote for them. Uh, I, I didn't vote against them because they cost more money. I voted against them because it's not our purview. And that's that Sarah Hannon introduced the amendment to reduce the house's dividend uh, to that $1,300 when she introduced it. Uh, she said that the 1300 uh, PFD would allow for an education funding boost and not require deficit spending. She said the legislature should not draw upwards of $500 million from savings to pay for a dividend that those accounts had been used to fill budget deficits for too long. Well, Sarah, you, I mean, this legislature has been part parcel. They've been drawing from, they've been drawing from that, the, the revenues and from the, uh, from the funds uh, for years. You know, they, they, they've been drawing from savings for Where have you been? Where was the hue and cry about how bad it was to draw from savings when it wasn't things that you wanted to pay for? Then it's a good thing. Anything else? Like including what is statutorily required? Now all of a sudden it's a problem? And then she went on to say, free rides die hard. I should I should clip that. Free rides die hard. The, the P it just shows her fundamental misunderstanding of where the PFDs come from. And, and I think that's a problem with many legislators. They fundamentally do not understand where the PFD comes from and where what the relationship is between the permanent fund and the permanent fund dividend and what the relationship is between the ownership of the resource in the state and the people they just fundamentally do not understand it and do not care to try and understand it free rides die hard <laughs> okay all 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 right okay I, I gotta now I gotta go back and listen to all this balderdash throughout the day to get that one clip because free rides die hard. It's not a free ride. Debates over the size of the dividend followed familiar lines. A smaller PFD would be regressive and disproportionately impact lower income Alaskans. Sean McGuire, Iris Samuels, ADN. Thank you. Thank you for finally pointing out something that we've been pointing out on this show for the last six years, that it has the largest adverse effect on Alaska families and the overall Alaska economy to cut the PFD. It is the most regressive form of tax you could come up with. Thank you for actually pointing it out. Then they go on to say a larger dividend would make an, uns would make an unsustainable hit to the budget. Well, only if they can't control their spending. That's the bottom line. But this is the this is this is the this is where we're living right now. This is where we're living. No more state services. Don't threaten me with a good time. 
yeah, that's uh, that's that's where we're at right now. That's where we're at. Now somebody's asking for some good news. Um, what was the good news this morning? I actually did read some good news this morning, uh, and I was, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, was it the Conoco? Oh, uh, tourism in Alaska. Uh, yeah, the tourism in Alaska. We're expecting to have a bumper year. Uh, well, not a bumper year, but you know, it's expecting to be a good year. Supposed to be a record-breaking tourist season this year. Somebody asked for good news, so I'm trying to give it to you. Uh, the Department of Labor says they're predicting a strong 2023 tourist season. Uh, the projections from the Alaska Cruise Association is expecting 1.6 million passengers this year to come by cruise ships. That would be the first time since pre-COVID that the numbers have been back up. In fact, the last year, uh, the, the last normal cruise year, which was 2019, 1.3 million passengers arrived by cruise ships. Uh, it was expected to be 1.5 in 2021, but it never happened. Uh, this year, they're predicting 1.6 million. So more cruise ships, more good people, more tourists. There you go. There's your good news. Is that good news? Maybe more tourists? Oh, I got to drive to Homer. That might not be good news. I don't know. All right, folks, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Be kind, love one another, live well. All right. I'm sorry, I'm just reading. You know, I listen to my son's history and I'm convinced the issue is with the government schools. My son's history teacher was saying in a capitalist system, where did the term capitalist come from? It's a free market system. Well, capitalist is from Marx. I mean, that's what he he was the one that used that and, and branded that on. It is a free market, laissez-faire free market. But uh, yeah, no, again, Timothy, you're not wrong. The issue is with the government schools. I got that right there. Um, what else, George W. Okay. Well, I appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, tomorrow is another day. We will continue. Make sure that you like and follow the show page here on Facebook. And if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and ring the bell. And, of course, you can always go over to my uh, website, michaeldukeshow.com, and click on Join the Corps. Become a member of the Common Sense Corps. All right, my friends, we gotta we gotta flee, we gotta fly, we gotta jump, we gotta fly. Uh, we're gonna uh, head out. Thanks for coming in and joining us. We'll see you tomorrow.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 